0: One week season.
1: Hey, everybody, welcome to week sixteen. I can't believe it's week six. No, it's week fifteen, week sixteen. 16. It is 16. Oh, my gosh. It's Christmas is screwing me up this week. Uh, <laughs> and I should know that because of playoffs, but my mind is scrambled. This is just, right, it's that wild time of the year. If you are listening to us on podcast, don't forget you can come check us out over on YouTube. We have some really cool data for you to see if you're following us over there. We're going to talk about weather, Mageden this week, and uh, hopefully, if you're not in a dome, you're going to see some interesting games. We got the Falcons and Ravens, Lions and Panthers, Bills and Bears. We have the Nor- Saints and Cleveland, uh, Giants and Vikings, and the Texans and Titans. And welcome in one of the hardest working men in fantasy, the man with seven thousand hats, Mister Hilo. How you doing, sir? what's up brother yeah i was trying to go on mute
0: there my kids are like screaming um usually i try to like schedule these podcasts for when mama's awake uh but she's 36 weeks pregnant and still sleeping so i am like kids chill i gotta go work (laughs) (laughs) so they're uh they're not chilling too well right now but hopefully we'll get through this all right
1: all right well we're gonna get into it we're you know, we got six games to go over, and we just got some initial ownership projections we were talking about right before this started, so we're going to go over a little bit of you. One of the things I want to bring up is we're recording this, guys, on Thursday morning because the Saturday is the big slate with Christmas this year, so keep in mind, th- these are going to change. These are going to go up and down, but this is to give us a base and a starting point on where we're going to go and we're going to get right into one of the uglier games on the slate of the Falcons and the Ravens. And first question I want to ask as we get into there, did you have any uh, Tyler Algier best ball?
0: No, I didn't. I didn't. Um, wow. That was, uh, had, that was helpful, huh?
1: <laughs> yeah, I actually had, he got one of my team, like one of my teams through uh, on DK. Nice. So that was a, uh, that was a nice one. <laughs> so we're looking at, You know, 35 and a half point game. We just did some weather checks as of today. They're projecting this to be 17 degrees, 15 to 20 mile an hour winds at game time right now. We know weather's going to be a concern all week. So I'd like you to start for everybody. How are you looking at this slate with all the games we got going, how we expect to see some really concentrated ownership based upon location? What are your macro thoughts of the slate?
0: Yeah. It looks like it looks like we're going to get some pretty heavy concentration of ownership on two running backs, the top, the top two. Um, and I think that's a function of that's where the perceived certainty is this week with Saquon coming off uh, his biggest game since week one. Um, we have CMC who has a massive um, expectation with Brock Purdy, the checkdown magnet, um, and then Derrick Henry, like I made a, a little like backhanded joke on Twitter yesterday. I was like, "Hey, did you guys did you guys hear or you guys know that like Derrick Henry has rushed for two hundred plus last four games against Houston? I haven't seen that talked about yet. It's like all anybody is talking about, right? So like, yeah, we we know like Derrick Henry has owned the Texans. Um, it's like, there's a lot going on with that game. Um, Houston is third. In defensive DVOA over the last month of play, including games against Miami, including games against oh god, who else did they play? Uh, the Chiefs. Um, yeah. So like they they played the the Bear or the Browns, um, but that was like they the Browns scored three defensive touchdowns. Um, I played one other like top team. I forget. Um, but yeah. So I don't know. There, there's a lot more going on, and then it's like Lovey clearly has that team playing. Better. <laughs> they're still one eleven and one or one twelve and one now. Um Jesus Christ. Now my dogs are getting in the fray.
1: Yeah. Um It's so it's Christmas week, buddy. You got, everybody's yeah, gotta bear with us. They're just dude. they just gotta smile and, and be thankful we're able to get these out because we weren't sure we were able to get them with the schedule this week. It is legit Christmas
0: week for us. We have the twenty fourth, twenty fifth, twenty-sixth, 29th booked because both my both mine and my wife's parents are divorced and we both have living grandparents that are in the valley so like everyone is still around the valley so we have like a legit christmas week going on this week um yeah but i don't know dude like so we're expecting a lot of ownership to concentrate on at those at the top of the running back pricing tier that is leading to pair that with like the the expected weather and and the freaking everyone freaking out about the weather which we'll get into that in a minute but it's leading to people hunting for value at different places this week it's no it's not running back it's quarterback and it's wide receiver which is interesting that is we've seen that maybe once or twice this entire season it's been this steady like blueprint of where the field is going. It's like where we want to place our bets uh, at the wide receiver position, pay up at quarterback, and then we'll find a cheap tight end and we'll probably have enough salary for like one mid to high price. We're running back. And then one cheap guy that's kind of been like the blueprint this season that is kind of getting flipped on its head this week. And I think a lot of that is going into the weather concerns. They're like, Oh, it, teams are going to have to run the ball. They're going to have to do these short passes. Let's let's, throw in the high priced running backs. So the dynamics of the slate entirely are different. And that makes me immediately want to see if there are viable options to go elsewhere. Um, I'll cover those in. I'm not going to get there just yet. Cause there's still a lot that has yet to change. Um, but tomorrow I'll be writing the end around and a lot will be in that about kind of how to generate these leverage positions smartly
1: it's going to be interesting because one of the things too is there's still not a ton of props up yet for the week so yeah Yeah. right so right because the some of it's the weather concern some of it is i thought they drop a little sooner this week because normally we're seeing them thursday friday for you know the sunday slate we saw a little bit earlier last week but they're really holding off and we talked about it last week on the show you know ritter came in 167 yards was his passing prop and I I said see Malik Willis and I'm going to hammer the under and I did and he wasn't even close because he played how I expected and playing how I expected Arthur to try to use him vice versa I did well on underdog with Algiers you know rushing prop and we talked a little bit about best ball we know the Ravens have a ton of injuries Lamar's yeah still DNPN Are you going to try to, is this one of the games you're just going to avoid? Are you going to try to see if you want any exposure to this Falcons and Ravens game? And especially as we start looking at, you know, some of the ownership here as we go over and I start pulling it up, you know, there's really not much ownership for this game right now on initial projections.
0: Yeah, there, there are two players, one from each team that I think deserve our attention this week um the first is jake jk dobbins and the other is drake london the reason for that is i guess i'm interested in each of them for different reasons first of all like jk dobbins returned two weeks ago um and proceeded to go over 100 yards each game he did that on like 13 rush attempts and 15 rush attempts so um it's a there's a lot of variance associated with that but We have to assume that he's getting healthier. We have to assume that the Ravens are likely going to bias their attack towards the run. They have been extremely run heavy this season. Now that their defense, their offensive line um, and when their running back room has been healthy this year. So he's probably going to be splitting some time with, um, with Gus Edwards, but it's, it's likely that JK Dobbins has paths to, 17 to 19, 18 to 20, maybe running back opportunities as he um, has seen 15 and and 14, I think, in over the last two games. So um, and that lines up very well with like how we expect the Ravens to attack this game. On the other side, we have a Falcons team that has Desmond Ritter starting at quarterback. We know that they're probably going to want to be running the football. The problem is their matchup is against like a top three run defense. So how long are they going to be able to continue to run the ball? Do they, are they going to play into this desperation factor? Because like if they win out, like, they have a shot at the playoffs still out of a <laughs> shitty NFC. <laughs> the South.
1: wild, so, the wild disaster of the South. Yeah. So
0: like, when do we start seeing that desperation? Is Desmond Ritter going to be asked to throw the ball on first down this week, which he wasn't a lot last week? Um, and there's a lot going on. And obviously, Caleb Huntley injury, that doesn't really affect the expectations from this team very much. He wasn't playing very many snaps. So um, it's going to be two-headed backfield with Cordero Patterson and, and Tyler Algeria. Uh, but Drake London has is like top 10 in targets per route r- uh, run rate. He's top 10 in team target market share, we've just been waiting for like a game environment to present itself where we can expect a slight bump to the passing. And then he came out and saw like 48% team target market share last week. I think he saw 11 or... Yeah, 11 targets on 23 pass attempts. So um, if Desmond Ritter gets up to 28 pass attempts, like we could see another 12, 13 target game. It's... We're not just porting what we saw last week into this week, but the, the path to um, the path to upside from that correlated pairing, you pay them, play them alone as a one-off or you can correlate and pair them together um, is significant. I think just because they are expected to be such high pieces uh, or high usage pieces from each offense this week.
1: Yeah. I know. I don't imagine myself having much there Uh, as of today, keep in mind, and we're going to talk, you know, we'll use the, the bills game, (laughs) and all that snow and whatever, how everybody was getting ready to play that is an example of let's not overplay the weather unless we're a hundred percent sure. And also we need to look at teams because this game is, you know, it's in Baltimore. They're calling for 17 degrees and, you know, 15 mile an hour winds. So it's, it's cold, but it's not, this isn't one of the games that's there, but the implied total for me, if, if London continues to come in at this lo- little bit lower ownership, right? The, he's one of the guys that could break the slate if he comes in that low and, and they do get him the ball.
0: Well, let's yeah, the, the last thing to talk about there, I think, is how J.K. Dobbins um, interacts with the the overall macro view of the slate that we just got done talking about. So, like, um, he gains a little bit of interest for me because he is a guy that can put up 102 on the ground um, in this spot. So. The fact that he's priced way, way down, the fact that he's not expected to garner a lot of ownership, the fact that he goes against the expected like heaviest ownership from a roster construction standpoint um, gives him a little bit of additional oomph for me this week.
1: Yeah, I like the spot. I I said it again. I mean, imagine we talked about it last week, even on the show, and we were talking about it in Discord, why he was going. I'm like, man, they keep running him, and he just does. You see, he's going, but he doesn't have fifth gear yet. He's getting a fourth yeah, right? and he's still stiff and he's there and you're like, cause he would have broke a couple of those if he had his fifth gear, right? If he, if he wasn't, <laughs> if he wasn't like the anti-inspector gadget with no mobility. Uh, yeah. My, my thinking is like, when does that come? And I want to be ahead right. of that because he is um, explosive when healthy. Yeah, absolutely. And right now he's only projected around 9% and at $5,800 uh, that's, so that might be a great spot to take advantage when uh, there's definitely some opportunity there. Yeah. Uh, Moving, moving on to the next game, we're going to take a look at the lions at Panthers. Now, even Charlotte's expected in some weather, they're expected 31 degrees, which is cold for there, but 10 mile an hour winds. This for me, this is an interesting spot. I when we looked right now, I expected to see this game at much higher ownership than what we're seeing initially. And yeah. I'm, I'm a little surprised by that. What are your, what is your overall thoughts of this? And I'm, I'm interested to hear, I, I saw what you wrote up. So I'm in, I'm kind of not, I don't want to steal your thunder here.
0: First of all, before we get into this game, let's talk about the weather real quick. We'll talk about it from a macro perspective. Um, Yes, there is a nasty, nasty low-pressure system coming in from the Arctic that is going to affect most of the games this week. That's going to make it cold. That's going to have some wind. That's going to have some rain, some freezing rain, and some snow. When we're thinking about, and we've talked about this before, like what actually affects a a game from the perspective of it affects, it fundamentally affects how a team has to approach trying to win that game. It's like high winds and standing water or standing snow. That's really like the, the three things that like fundamentally alter how a game is likeliest to play out. 10, 15 mile per hour winds doesn't really affect much more than like passes 40 plus yards downfield. How many of those do you see in a game? One, maybe um, the, Once you start getting to like 25 mile per hour sustained winds, really like 30 plus gusts, which is potentially going to be the case in two games, but I'll need to see the updated weather forecast for those games. Um, And that's the Browns game um, and the uh, the bills and bears right now. I'm approaching this slate through the mindset that the only game that is going to be fundamentally affected by the weather is the Browns game, the saints at the Browns. And the reason for that is they're expecting like legit 30 mile per hour winds gusting to 40 mile per hour, the, the bears and the bills. We have to think about like, how do those offenses fundamentally work? are the bills taking these deep shots downfield anymore? Are they even doing that? Not really. It's like, ask,
1: ask Gabe Davis owners, how they feel about that.
0: Stephon Diggs is operating in this like pure X wide receiver possession. type uh, style role. That's like a 12 to 15 yard downfield tops. They have Isaiah McKenzie that they're moving around the, the formation trying to get him unique looks. They have now a two headed running back uh, room in Devin Singletary and uh, James Cook. They're utilizing Naheem Hines on special teams and in the red zone. Um, And they have Gabe Davis, who is like their legit downfield guy. So it's like, is is 15 to 20 mile per hour wins likely to affect their offensive game plan as much as another team? Probably not. What are the Bears doing? They're just running the football so is that likely to affect their offensive game plan likely not so i'm approaching this game from a macro perspective or this slate from a macro perspective of the only game that i am truly like have some concern about the weather is the uh saints and browns and we shouldn't have had much interest in that game to begin with we'll talk about it here shortly so if everyone is overreacting to wide receivers because of weather if everyone is overreacting to these four or five games on a 10 game slate that are expected to have some wind, some rain, some snow, you know, it's kind of a gamut this week. I think there's leverage to be had there and just like build, like it build as if you woke up and all you saw was that there was supposed to be heavy wind, um, in, (laughs) in one spot. That's kind of like my thinking, what I've seen from the weather. Um, obviously I'll need to update that. I want to update that. Um, later tonight and then friday i want to update it again for saturday sleep
1: yeah looking at that that that's what i have as of this morning uh, checking the the weather so between yourself and uh, shout out to billy Musio, who's also a pilot uh, i'm starting to learn a little bit more how to use those type of weathers uh projections to look at stuff and that's the game right cleveland is eight degrees that kickoff projecting it to feel like negative 15 snow and you know, 30 mile an hour wins. That's the only game I'm worried about. But I think there's, as you just talked about, I think there's some great leverage for us this week on people who are going to overthink it. We're going to see some concentrated ownership. And I, I like these kind of slates because I think there's an edge for us in that. So going into this Lions Panthers game. We know where, when Detroit's throwing the ball, we know where they're going to go. And now we're starting to see Jamison get healthy. This is an interesting, this is an interesting spot for me. The Panthers aren't world beaters on defense. They're also not like, oh, they're, they're not the Raiders. They're kind of in the middle for me as far as that goes. But when I start looking at Goff's four and a half percent projected ownership i start looking at his price and he's only fifty four hundred dollars i i kind of start thinking man there's some really good opportunity here what how do you feel about that spot here uh you're muted mark my fault (laughs) i think it's
0: i think this game environment is interesting in the sense that both of these teams are going to try to be winning this game in very different ways. Um, The, the Lions have been like, they have completely altered their identity. They are now a top. They are the top run defense since week six. Um, But they are allowing like 83 rushing yards per game over the last 11 games, which is pretty incredible. Uh, Sorry, the, the last nine games. Um, yeah, since a week before their week seven, bye, the lions are now more aggressive on their own. And this is part of probably that desperation factor. And they've won what six out of their last seven games or something crazy like that. So this is a team that is approaching winning games differently. How does that match up with Carolina? Carolina is this like heavy zone prevent defense. They are trying to, um, They're basically trying to play the sticks. They're trying to be disruptive from a drive success rate standpoint. So they're likely going to be trying to force the lions to march the field. That's more or less their offensive design to begin with. They're not really taking these deep shots at a high rate. DJ Chark, Jameson uh, Williams are healthy, but Williams is playing still only a handful of offensive snaps um, DJ Chark has a low, uh, deep success rate. Um, and that's probably partly due to their quarterback who they kind of designed this offense around. Jared Goff is not like, um, a, an adept downfield passer. So, um, lions want to win this game built around both of their lines, their offensive line and their defensive line the Panthers are kind of somewhat similar, but they're a little bit, they they don't have the pieces, the personnel to win in the trenches. So they're backing that up a level and they're trying to win in the second level. They're trying to win um, with aggressive ball hawking defense in the linebacker unit, the safeties. And so they're trying to basically keep the game in front of them and then, and then rally to the football. We'll call it like that just in layman's terms. So, like, how does that set up? That sets up this game is probably going to have to have either team like sustained drives in order to score. And that kind of mutes the expected upside a bit for me. Um, and then obviously on the other side, of the Panthers, Sam Darnold at quarterback, they have no really, it's like DJ Moore and, um, oh God, what's his name? Whatever. The other wide receiver. Uh, yeah. So it's like oh, they- parents. Yeah. Yeah. Terrace Marshall. Uh, thanks. Terrace Marshall Jr. So those are the only two guys, the only two pass catchers who are playing a near every down role. So, um, it's a low pass volume offense. They want to be running the football. We just talked about how the lions are now like a top three run defense. So, um, like their D their defensive DVOA against the run went from like 31st to like 21st in the span of four weeks, which was incredible. Like (laughs) that's a crazy transformation. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I this game environment has a more muted sense, so that may leads me like obviously there are still pieces to consider from this game, um, namely Terrace Marshall's kind of grabbing my eye from a uh, low price, low ownership perspective. Um, I would, I nailed Rashid Shahid last week. It was on yes, him. you did, sir. Um, so yeah, it's like there are pieces from this game to that have paths to upside. Amon Ra always has paths but he's probably going to be a little bit overowned respective to his chances of going like three and a half, four X. Um DeAndre Swift has been his snap rate has been this sine wave. So he's coming down and uh coming off a down
1: game. I don't know if it's going to pick back up. Um and then did you see the projected ownership on those two yet on him and Williams. So no. he's almost nine percent and Mr. Touchdown Jamal is at 3.3 as of this morning. Okay.
0: Uh, yeah. My f- initial reaction is like probably neither. <laughs> but um, cuz I mean this is a this is a team with a biggest implied team total of 23 points. They're coming off games like 27 24 and a half. So this is like a down projected game for them, but um, which like influences obviously the expected number of touchdowns they are going to score and that directly influences Jamal Williams. But um, yeah, I don't know this. This game has a very much like there are potential pieces for upside. It's more likely that it's optimal to attack those from the, through the lens of one-offs or secondary correlations than it is like attacking this game environment.
1: I totally agree there. So let's talk about a game that I am I was surprised at how low some of the ownerships coming in so far. Uh, it it kind of got my attention a little bit, and you just talked about it there. Is the Bills at the Bears, and everybody looking at it saying, "Oh, I'm worried about this." And yes, if there's 30 mile an hour winds, sure, it's going to affect some of the passing. But we know how both teams like to run the ball, and you know, Bills are still the Bills and have a 24 employee implied total. What's your threshold for wanting exposure here?
0: I want exposure and I want exposure. I think a lot more than the field does because of the expected weather. Look at how the bills have operated over the last month of play. They started the season with 11 games. Sorry, 10 games in a row of a pass rate over expectation above league average over the last five games. They have been hovering around right at like, league average pass rate yeah, right. The, the right the right
1: they're right at right in the middle of the field yeah so
0: that's a fundamentally a fundamental alter change in how they are approaching trying to win games they're still like in the top what 13 in, in overall pass rate but this is a team that is changing how they're doing things and we've seen like one of the biggest strengths of the bills is being able to adapt their offense to what the Opposition is showing them. And that's a very interesting point for this game in particular because of what the Bears did last week on defense. Right. We were all during the game like, where the hell is Miles Sanders? Why aren't they running Miles Sanders? What? It's a great matchup. Like, but where's Miles Sanders? Everyone's freaking out. And then it came out on Tuesday that. Nick Sirianni was like, hey, they were stacking the box and they were leaving us in one on one coverage. So, yeah, we're going to throw the football. And <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, but that made me like dig into the Bears defense a little bit more. And it's like, holy shit, they are changing the rates at which they're playing man coverage. They are changing their defensive philosophies for their opponent this year. Like, so like they've played, they have a game with 53% man coverage rates, like back in week three. They have a game with eight percent man coverage rates. That's a very, very wide range. Typically, you see teams staying within like twenty to like twenty-two to to twenty-eight percent. Like half of the teams in the league are very, very um, consistent in their man coverage rates. There are teams who adapt their defense, their defense philosophy, how they're going to attack games based on the opponent and the bears are one of those teams and they're not being talked about as, uh, as such. So
1: it's almost just... like they have an analytics department now, right?
0: It's amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Krithi
0: Chandra Chandra my, my boy, he's the guy who they hired to, ha- to head up their yeah. analytics department. Um, Krithi. Yeah. Krithi. Um, sorry. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that, that is That has meaning for this game. If the Bears just came out and played heavy man coverages and didn't blitz but stacked the box against a team whose identity is very clearly run first, they basically presented Nick Sirianni with an updated path of least resistance, and he took that. The Bills with everything that they have done over the past three seasons was that uh, with everything that they are now, how they uh, kind of how they game plan and adapt in game. They are another one of those teams that will take what the team is giving them. That's why we've seen these Dawson Knox blow up games like last week. That's why we've seen um, varied usage from Isaiah McKenzie. That's why we saw a 11 target game for Devin Singletary early in the season. So if the Bears, like if I am the Bears coaching staff, and now we're into this realm of like trying to put ourselves in the coachings, uh, the coach's position. If I'm the Bears, how am I going to handle the bills on defense? I'm probably going to play higher rates of zone coverage. I'm probably going to mix in some additional blitzes because of how Josh Allen has fared when under pressure over his career. And he's still like, he's still like a bottom seven quarterback in the league this year when dealing with pressure, he's gotten better at diagnosing the blitz, but he's still like when under pressure a little bit like his, his production takes a significant hit. So, and then it's like how, and then we add in the weather pieces, like how are they going to approach things with the weather? It's like, yeah, they're probably going to, playoff coverage they're probably going to allow the underneath stuff and they're probably going to want to clog the middle of the field through heavy zone rates so now if i'm the bills how am i going to attack that it's like the running backs and isaiah mckenzie and my ex-wide receiver so it's like Devin uh or stefan diggs it's Devin singletary it's james cook and it's isaiah mckenzie is probably who we're going to see step up this week and, and see the increase to usage so yeah i i I have a lot of interest in this game because I think going through that thought process and like putting ourselves uh, and there's a lot of assumptions that go into that. There's a lot of assumptions of rational coaching. There's a lot of reading the tea leaves and and taking what a team has shown us in the past and, and projecting that for the future. But like it makes most sense and we'll call it the likeliest scenario is that Isaiah McKenzie sees an uptick in, in usage this week. Um, Devin Singletary and James Cook are relied on a little bit more. Um, their ex wide receiver, Stefan is probably going to see an uptick in volume over the short to intermediate areas of the field. So, um, yeah, I have some interest here for sure.
1: And I will always ask the question this time of year, make sure you're asking what is this team playing for? The bills are trying to get that number one seed. Like that is, they, that is important, especially in the AFC with as loaded as it is. I, they, they need to win out. They need to try to put some pressure on and have that upside and opportunity there. So coming back, are you going to want any exposure from the Chicago side? Because one of the names you brought up that I really like this week because of his price is James Cook is still below five grand and he's currently projected under 2%. Uh, I love that yeah. spot in, in this situation, as you talked about, what about from, we, we know how the bears have shown us how they're going to try to move the ball. Do, yeah. do you try to get any exposure through fields or Montgomery here? I don't think so. Um, we talked about
0: this on the slate podcast for week 15 last week, and this is a peek behind the curtain, but the way that the bears are running their offense gives you simultaneous Exposure to an increase like a a game environment that is better than public perception because they're not getting blown out, they're keeping games close, they are um, moving the football, and their defense is still absolutely atrocious. So it's like all the pieces we want for a game environment. But so much of their offense flows through their quarterback, and so, and their pass catching core is so banged up right now. Like they're, they have Darnell Mooney on in, uh, injured reserve. They have uh, chase Claypool who started the week with a limited practice after a missed game. It was downgraded on Wednesday, yesterday to a DNP. They have. Um, so basically their, their pass catching unit is like Cole Komet is probably the only guy to see a near every down roll. They have Dante Pettis. They have Velas Jones like right. stop me when we get to upside. Um, they have God. Who do they have? Who else do they have?
1: Uh, well, they had Nikhil Harry. But Nikhil we Harry. Happened. Yeah. 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 I mean, they're that uh, Saint Brown, right? Like, yeah. It's, so it's Equinimaeus, It's Pettis.
0: It's right. um. It's Byron Pringle and it's Velas Jones. That's yeah, because Harry got hurt well, after they brought him in too. So yeah. So there. All of that to say is because the offense is still expected to have some level of success because they have recently the bears, how they're moving the football, how they're scoring points. But because of so much is of that is expected to come through the quarterback. You can play full bill stacks and not worry, not have to worry about like, who do I correlate this with? Who do I bring it back with? As long as um, Josh Allen outscores Justin Fields. Which is probably or is which is a statistical probability in this spot. So we talked about it last week with Jalen Hurts plus a pass catcher, so a Jalen Hurts skinny. We talked about it with Jalen Hurts uh, doubles because Dallas Goddard was still out, um, and that basically came to fruition. Jalen Hurts put up three rushing touchdowns, but still brought along um, uh, AJ Brown on that massive well yeah he basically Devonte Smith had a, a a lesser game than AJ Brown but they were still both viable um AJ yeah, Brown man. had like 169 receiving yards yeah like Devonte had
1: 126 he had 101 at yeah. half right yeah. so i mean they right between the two of them it was three right it was the 300 yards yep so
0: that is the same idea that can be ported over to the Bills this week and i have a lot of interest in the Bills in this perceived weather game um you can run like Josh Allen plus either Devin Singletary and James Cook and Isaiah McKenzie. Nobody's going to be doing that. You can run Josh Allen plus Stephon Diggs plus Isaiah McKenzie. No one's going to be doing that. So there's a lot of potential for upside here um, that I think is being, one, muted by the weather, and two, muted um, by the fact that the field just expects the Bills to blow out the Bears.
1: Interesting spot there for sure. Well, let's move on to the game we think is going to have all the weather and from all signs show it, right. We talked about it earlier, the saints at the Browns. Let me give a little update to you. So we were talking about, there's not a ton of props out yet, but there are some for this game. Vegas currently has Dalton at 149 and a half yards and Watson at 154. Hard pass for me. I, I 14 and a half point total, 17 and a half snow, 30 mile an hour winds. I, that, the one that surprised me was the Saints D is currently projected as the highest owned they're mm-hmm. coming in at 16% uh, i think about yeah 11.6% right now just ahead of Dallas they're only $2800 so i understand that a little bit but i don't know how many opportunities they're going to get in this kind of crazy weather
0: yeah um the field still very much factors in point suppression into their dfs scoring When it's like, you really want a team to be passing a lot. Your defense is playing against. So, um, yeah, I I could see, I could see the Saints gaining some steam or, or continuing to have some ownership for this week because of the weather. Because Deshaun Watson has, for the most part, looked hashtag bad. But like this weather in this game is like legit like 40 mile per hour wins expected. So that is likely going to heavily influence how each of these teams are going to attack this game. The other piece of that is the saints are no longer this like top run defense. The Browns are bottom three. So the path of least resistance for each of these teams was already on the ground. And that's going to combine with the wind, I think to make a very, very muted game environment, we're just going to see a lot of running. We're going to see a lot of, um, like play action uh, for when they do throw trying to hit the tight end who sneaks out. It's it's going to be a very, very ugly game.
1: I don't I don't really want to have much exposure here, if any at all. It it doesn't really do anything for me. And one of the things I am looking at edge wise, I'm gonna talk a little bit about this next game. I'm gonna I'm gonna give a little bit, uh, teach a little bit this week on some prop stuff and how how we look at it and how to shop it a little bit with this next game. So we're going to go from the bottom of the barrel to what is now arguably, as of today, the most projected ownership is the Giants at the Vikings. 48 total. We both said we looked right before this started because we're were X got us the projections right before we got going, and Daniel Jones is currently projected even a little bit higher than Kirk Cousins. Uh, I, would, I would wonder if Steffi Smalls did. The, if, if you don't know who she is, uh, she's a massive... Giants fan, and wonder if she did these. Interesting spot for me uh, as we're looking at some of these projections. I'm going to let you start with this, and then I want to talk about a couple of things I found that were interesting as I, I dug into what you wrote up here.
0: Yeah. So, first of all, first all, <laughs> first of all, first off, how is the field viewing this game? Like, okay, it's the it's played it well, it's it's the it's the highest expected game environment or the best expected game environment. It's the highest of the remaining team total or game total. Um and it's, so, inside. it's inside, it's in they don't have to weather weather or Jesus Christ, dude. I can't talk. They don't have to worry about the weather or the winds or the snow or anything like that. But like these two teams are very, very much conservative offenses until otherwise forced the giants are on the extreme of that equation. They are, we want to keep, we want to not have our offense lose the game for us. We'll let teams do pretty much whatever they want in between the twenties. We're going to blitz you to try and disrupt drives because we don't have the personnel on defense to keep you from sustaining drives. And then we're going to really, really crack down in the, in the red zone. Wink Martindale defenses have historically been these defenses who are in the top five in the league and red zone touchdown rate allowed. The giants were hovering at like second in the league for like through half of the season. They've struggled over the last four or five weeks, a little bit more in the red zone. Um, but they're still allowing a red zone touchdown score. on Only half of the uh, uh, opposition trips to the red zone. So that's the blueprint for the giants. Like, let we don't have the personnel to get to the quarterback or disrupt drives on our own. So how are we going to overcome that? We're going to blitz the crap out of you. We're going to vary where those blitzes come from. Um, and that's going to be the way that we're going to try and disrupt drives. Then we're going to crack down in the red zone. The Vikings, their offense is we want to methodically March the field until otherwise forced. like, Kirk Cousins' average intended air yards per pass attempt is in the bottom 10 in the league. Um, Justin Jefferson, even, we've talked about this before, he has an A dot that is like ranked 40th or something like that. Um, so how are they wanting to control the ball? How are they going to want to move the football? They're going to want to be methodical in their approach until otherwise forced. That's the reason they're sitting at an 11-win team with the NFL record for the worst point differential for an 11 win team that like they're not looking to blow teams out or looking to be methodical. They're looking to have these high pass rates, this moderate pace, but they're not looking to like generate these chunk plays. The giants have generated the fewest explosive plays in the league. They have, um, 12 rushes and like 21 passes for more than 20 yards this season that is worst in the league, for example, or for comparison, the 21 pass attempts for more than 20 yards is a third of what the chiefs have. And they lead the league at like 63. So like, yeah, dude. um, The perception is that this game only has a path to upside. It's like, there are a lot of different ways that this game could play out and the upside quote unquote could only come in the fourth quarter. So And then, oh, by the way, like how are the Giants on offense trying to to manage games into the fourth quarter? They're trying to do it with slow pace of play and elevated rush rates. The Vikings are sneaky good against the run this season. I wrote that up in the write-up. You can go check those numbers. So there's a lot of... This is probably more likely to be... Probably more likely... This is more likely to be a game that is more of this like chess match of these two teams that are looking to not lose than it is this game's going to blow up in the first quarter. So that does not match public perception. This is the t- top expected game environment. So I actually have way less um, like desire to attack this game than the field does. And my favorite piece, probably if I'm going here, is Dalvin Cook.
1: On that. So, one of the things Mark's talking about here and wants you to think about game environment. Everybody's coming off last week, the monster week the Vikings ended up having from a score wise. And it correlates to exactly what he just said. They had to ha- come back from the biggest deficit in NFL history to win to put up that kind of yardage and points. They did it. So, is it in their range of outcomes? Sure is it probably less than 3% to 1% they do that again i would say that might even be high it, especially in this environment for me and then i start looking at i'm i'm going to give a little i'm going to give a little inside sauce to how i look at game environments for props and some of the things i do to project so one of the things you want to look at is what is vegas setting their prop lines at so example in this game Daniel Jones has a 215-yard passing prop. So what do we know from that? We know that the Giants have done everything Mark just talked about. So then I go and I look at the receiving yard props. Well, all his pass catchers combined, including Saquon, only have 166 yards of receiving props. So now you have to project... Do I believe this to go one of two ways? Do I believe Daniel Jones can get over 215 yards or to that? If he does, who's what receiver is going to come along with him? How does he get there? Because then those projections are too low. Or am I going to take advantage from a prop side and say, well, Vegas, sure, they're putting this line out for Jones, but his receivers really say it's almost 50 yards less than what we're projecting him to throw. The field doesn't look at that and correlate it for DFS a lot. And it's how I walked into Lawrence last week was looking at those lines and how I got onto Lawrence in that game was saying, okay, he's projected here. Here's where the receivers are projected. There's really some upside for this to go there. For me, this game is the opposite high ownership, his receive his throw prop is high, but his receivers are low. So for me, that says they're not seeing it. And that's something I suggest. If you're looking at props, one of the ways to look at it, try to get an edge and take it there. So I say all that to go cook is 73 and a half. And Hawk is anywhere from 44 and a half to 49 and a half. You brought up cook. I I love Cook in the spot. And I think that's the spot where we could go the other way with that
0: yeah like if if the giants are going to allow the vikings to remain less aggressive through the air and if dalvin is seeing like what was it the numbers are in the write-up but i think it was like f- six out of the last nine games he's been at 80 percent snap rate or higher yeah. like 84 Yeah, 84% or higher. So, yeah,
1: there's over 20 opportunities a game.
0: Yeah. So, there's a lot of upside there for Dalvin this week. And it's, it feels gross because he hasn't really done it this season, but it's like he has, he has paths to absolutely wrecking the slate. And we're talking like, we're talking like Joe Mixon blow up week. Like, he has paths to that where it's like you had to have him. So, Um, with the type of workload that he's getting in this game environment against a bottom two run defense, all those things coming together. Um, So yeah, like there, I have a lot of interest in Dalvin this week. Um, And I think he is probably best played as a one-off from this game environment from a leverage perspective.
1: Interesting. I, I like that. It was my initial thoughts here, especially once I was able to go through the props, I was like, I definitely see some opportunity there with that. Uh, as we're finishing up this week's slate that Mark wrote up, we're going to talk about the surging, surging Texans. Yeah, this versus, will be quick. <laughs> yeah, versus the Titans. I I, I, I want to have some fun with that one. Yeah. Speaking right, where Malik, give me Malik's pass yards prop so I can take the under, police. That's what I want here.
0: Yeah, Ryan Tannehill reportedly might be done for the season from his recent ankle, ankle injury, um, and that is terrible timing for the Titans because they have fallen hard over the last month of play, and they are now setting up for like a a winner take all type battle with the Jaguars in Week 18, um, and that, that they still have to win some games to set up that too. So, um, this is like it's very much. The Texans are playing better on defense, third in defensive DVOA over the last month of play. The Titans are playing way worse. We have all the narrative of Derrick Henry has owned the Texans' soul over the last two seasons. It's basically... It sets up this primary decision point of, do I Derrick Henry or do I not Derrick Henry? And it's really... He is the only viable piece from this game, from a GPP ceiling perspective. You can get fancy with Brandon cooks. Maybe if he's back, you can get fancy with, uh, another one of the Texans pass catchers, but
1: Chris, it's really like, why, well, uh, Chris Moore's coming in at almost 12% because of his recent performances.
0: Yeah. And he's banged up. He, uh, he was limited in practice. There's a lot going on with the, with the pass catchers for the Texans, um, But it's like, how much exposure do I want to a team with a team total of 16.25? We had the same discussion last week with the Texans where it was like, yeah, they're setting up as a a potential spot to grab some value. But they have a team total of last week of like under 14 points. Like how much exposure do I want to a team that's expected not to score? Um, So, yeah, it's Derrick Henry. It's do I Derrick Henry? Do I not Derrick Henry? Um, And that's pretty much it from this game.
1: I same, and it's as what I'm so su- what I'm surprised was, is I was pulling up some of the initial running back projections, and he's up there, right? He's almost at 30%. It's CMC, yeah. Henry, Cook, and then Barkley and, and Ramondre, but Ramondre's half of that in a spot that can he do it? Can he go there? The for me, the other side is if they get out to an early lead. And they know Tannehill could likely be done for the season. And they have way more important games coming up. Yeah. How much do they
0: want to ride Derrick Henry?
1: Right. How much do they want to, do they want to get Haskins out there and give him some more of that run at that? Because at his price at $8,600 at 30%, he's, he's got to be the big dog. He's got to have 200 yards and a couple touchdowns to get you there to to get any kind of leverage on the field in a game that's 35 and looking at the weather it is going to be cold it's going to be below 20 degrees there not a ton of wind you know they're only talking 10 15 miles an hour no big deal but my my thought was even that is I want the Malik Willis under prop here uh, give it to me uh, and I I don't do a ton of parlays, but I will probably parlay him and uh, Desmond's uh, <laughs> pass under together this week and try to take advantage somewhere there as they come up just because they've shown who they are and what they can do and, and, and what direction they can go. Yep.
0: That All right.
1: <laughs> so as we, as we finish up here, uh l- give us a little peek in your thought process behind the curtain we talked about these games what is on for, for people that are going to start looking on the saturday slate or not saturday slate, it's sunday slate on christmas day are you going to play anything on christmas day and do you want you know do you want to try to do any type of you know exposure to those three games
0: yeah i think i love those slates those thanksgiving slates the we had one last week on saturday the the slates where we get more information as the slate progresses um they're really really fun from a theoretical standpoint and like how you attack that uh we talked about that last week with the saturday slate so yeah i'm gonna i'll be playing those um i'll probably throw a bunch of entries into the millie uh just have some fun with it
1: yeah and i i love it because it's So ugly, it's right. Everybody's going to go Packers and Dolphins, and then you got the Broncos and Rams, Bucks and Cards, and there's I think there's some cool there's some cool opportunity on on that ugly slide. Anything else before we finish up?
0: I think that's it, man. uh, All right, season is sadly coming to an end, so just enjoying this ride while we got it, dude.
1: Yeah, we'll uh, we'll probably have some fun stuff for the playoffs we uh, will tease you a little bit. Uh, We are going to have some cool stuff for best ball after the season. Once, you know, we get through the super bowl and all that and start getting into drafting for best ball next year, we're going to have some really cool content. Mark is working on with himself, not only with the badge bros and some, some really cool stuff there. And we hope everybody has a great time with their friends, family, all that this year. And, and I will say this, I, uh, if anybody out there is listening, uh, this is just personal thing for me. If you have, if if you're feeling lonely, if you don't have much family around, you can hit me up on Twitter, on Discord. If you're in the One Week Season Discord, come find me. Uh, I I'm happy to talk to you. Don't don't be by yourself. Don't uh, don't hang out there and, and and know that there's lots of people out there that love and care about you. And we hope everybody has a, a great time with their families this week. Happy holidays, y'all. Yeah. All right. Talk to you guys soon.